Hello and welcome to the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Georgia G, multi-passionate success coach and healer for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs. If you're ready to get out of your own way so you can build a wildly profitable business from your passions, this show is for you. Tune in every Tuesday for inspiring interviews and mindset tools to heal self-sabotage so you can double your income, reach those big business goals that have eluded you up until now, and create a life of freedom and abundance on your own terms. My guest today is Carmen Coy, the owner of Best Kept Jewelry Concierge. She is on a mission to take the stress out of buying fine jewelry for yourself or a loved one. You can think of her as a cross between a personal shopper for fine jewelry and a private jeweler, working with the nation's top designers, jewelers, wholesalers and collectors to source and commission special pieces across a variety of budgets and styles for her clients. Prior to launching Beskept, Kurt worked as a management consultant. She realized the process of buying jewelry was way too confusing and intimidating and decided more people would take the leap to buy a great piece if there was someone trustworthy to guide them through it. In this interview, Kurt shares her top tips for being a successful entrepreneur running and managing a creative business, and of course, some advice for buying jewelry as an investment piece. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Kat. I'm so excited to have you here. And before we dive in, can you share more about who you are, what you do, and how you found your calling? Absolutely. My name is Kat McCoy. I'm the owner of Best Kept Jewelry Concierge, and I help people find and make really special pieces of jewelry for milestone occasions like engagements, anniversaries, holidays, birthdays. I started the business in 2018, focused primarily on gifts. So helping people find really special pieces of jewelry for their partner or spouse. And I've since branched out into specializing in custom engagement rings. I think why I love what I do so much is because jewelry is a very emotional purchase. It's something that I think for a lot of people can feel very intimidating. And I really felt like if you made people feel like no matter what, they couldn't get it wrong, that we were going to buy something beautiful, well-made at a price they feel comfortable with, that the person they're giving it to is going to love, that more people will take that leap and make a beautiful gesture of buying a piece of jewelry. Absolutely. And did you always know that you would one day work in the jewelry business or you take a more roundabout route like most of us do? Yes, definitely more roundabout. Prior to starting the business, I worked as a management consultant for Ernst & Young. So a very corporate environment, very, very different than what I do now as a solo entrepreneur. Growing up, I always loved jewelry. My grandmother had a very beautiful collection that she was very generous with in terms of gifting you pieces or letting you borrow pieces. She was just a very elegant woman and an excellent, excellent gift giver. So she's very much 
the inspiration behind the business, but I had no prior experience in the jewelry industry. So the last few years, a big part of it has been building those relationships on the supply side and working with really, really talented people. I work primarily in the Diamond District in New York City. And so I've spent a lot of time building those relationships and getting to know people. And I like to say that now I can help you find or make almost anything, but it's taken a little bit of time to make a name for myself and build those relationships. Yeah, at the beginning of the business, it sounds so glamorous, but it really is about making the right contacts and finding the time to experiment and see what works. So when you started your business, did you have any fears or doubts that were stopping you from going all in or did you just say, no, I'm just going to do this? What an interesting question. I, I feel more fears and doubts maybe today than I did five years ago when I started. Just because sometimes, perversely, like the more success you have, the more it feels like you have to lose. The nice part about starting with no industry experience was I didn't have great context for how things are typically done. The jewelry industry is very old school by reputation. And I can tell you in experience, it really is. A lot of people who work in the Diamond District are third or fourth generation. So they're very sort of curious about outsiders. And um, at the beginning, it was a big advantage that I didn't come from that world because I could ask questions about why do we do a certain thing? Why do we do things a certain way? A big part of my business model is I don't hold any inventory. So everything is either made or sourced specifically for you, for each client, which is something that I think a lot of people in the industry wouldn't recommend. People love having inventory and different options to to, to sell you at any time. So I I, yeah, I think ironically, five years on, I feel more fear than I did maybe at the beginning. <laughs> that is really interesting. I think at the beginning, there is that, oh, well, I have this desire, I'll see where it leads. And then once you start learning the rules, it can bring some insecurities. Is there one fear or one limiting belief you had to come to get to where you are now? I've been doing a lot of work around showing up on camera, particularly on Instagram, and so showing your face. My business is sort of interesting in that I sell you a product, which is, of course, the beautiful piece of jewelry. But what a client is really buying is my service, which is my time. And so when I started the business, I felt like, oh, I could just show the jewelry and be very behind the scenes, and that would be enough. But I realized that people buy from people. And so having to really put yourself out there and talk to the camera and put your face out there in a more public way took a little bit of time to do, but I realized how important it is. And there's definitely a direct correlation between the quality of the marketing I'm doing and sales. So it's very, very, very important. But I was a little stuck at first about not wanting to show my face or like put myself out there from a marketing standpoint in that way. Well, I can so relate to that. It's something that I have to overcome as well, but you are right. The the result when you do that work speaks for themselves. So do you have any tips? How did you overcome that obstacle and became comfortable with showing your face on video and put yourself out there? I think that you just have to start doing it. I look back at some of the earliest videos and they're so cringy, but it's also exciting because I think I've improved and also just like the general tools that you can use on Instagram have become so much easier to use. So you have to just start. And then there's so much information on YouTube and business coaches. There's so many people who want to coach you through this. And I think using your discretion on when to do a lot of research and take in a lot of inputs and then when to kind of stop 
and just put something out there is something that I think about a lot because it can be really tempting to just want to immerse yourself in in podcasts and everything else without really taking action. But there's no substitute for making a not so great video, putting it out there and trying it again. It's, it's you can get confidence if you don't practice, don't put yourself out there. And so as you mentioned, the jewelry is quite an old fashioned business. So I imagine it's very traditional the way things are done. How did you stand out at the beginning? I built the business primarily on word of mouth. Since then, the business has grown and I get many more leads through the website and through Instagram. But starting out, it was really friends of friends who would refer other friends of friends. And to get my first few customers, what I did was I scheduled short 15-minute calls with 25 different men, some of whom I knew, some of whom were recommended to me by other colleagues of just men who either have wives or girlfriends that like to buy them jewelry, but don't do it frequently enough. And I asked if I could have 15 minutes of their time just to ask questions about if they've bought jewelry in the past, how they've done it, how they approach it. So very kind of informational and very much they were doing me a favor. But I ended up getting my first three or four clients from that sort of research phase. So people really like to be helpful. People like to talk about themselves. So it was a nice way to both do a little bit of research and really ask some great questions and get some good input. But also that's the way I brought in my first few clients. I think we tend to underestimate words of mouth, especially in the age of social media. But at the beginning, that can really be crucial, really make a difference. Also, you learn so much about your clients and what they want. So what are the biggest challenges that people had when buying jewelry? For a lot of my clients, particularly early on, I was working with a lot of men buying gifts for their partners or spouses. And in the past, they had tried to go out on a limb and buy a great piece of jewelry, but she didn't love it or she returned it or he later found out that he overpaid. So some of the people that I work with had previously a bad experience. They had their guard up very much when it came to investing in a great piece of jewelry. So I learned very, very quickly that trust is is the biggest thing. It's a very high trust interaction. The way that I work requires a lot of trust, making people feel comfortable. And probably the best lesson I learned the first couple of years was When I first started, I curate recommendations for people to choose from that I think whoever we're buying for is going to love. And at first I kind of wanted to be the hero, which was, can you see what I found that is so perfect for her? And it's also in your budget. Isn't this wonderful? But people want to be the hero in their own story. And so realizing that it's not about how spot on my curated recommendations are. It's about um, my client making a choice that they're really excited about, that they feel confident in, and that they're the hero of this transaction. So it sounds obvious in hindsight, but it's something that I kind of had to take my ego out of things and and learn. And it's been really powerful to set people up for success versus try and take the spotlight or or the glory in that way. Thank you for sharing that. It makes so much sense because when you start your business you are passionate about what you do it's so easy to be in that enthusiasm that you actually forget that there is someone on the other side that doesn't really care so much about about what you want what you care about but they care more about themselves and i've also i've been given jewelry that i didn't really like and then it's awkward right to have that 
conversation. Yes, it's such a vulnerable thing to give someone a piece of jewelry. And so you don't want to hurt their feelings. And I hear from a lot of women as well that they also don't want to discourage jewelry buying in the future. So they don't really want to say what they mean or how they feel. So it's awkward for all parties. And even if you don't hurt his feelings, when you open the box, they notice if you don't wear it. That is true. um, Such an emotionally charged purchase. But when you get it right, I really do believe it's one of the most meaningful purchases you can make. So I think that feeling of together, we're going to get it right together. We're going to make sure she loves it is, is sort of what people buy for me. I love that. And also again, as someone who is being, it is true. You don't want to discourage the the person from buying again, but at the same time, if you don't say anything, you're going to get more of what you don't like. And I think also it is reassuring in a way to know that for a man buying jewelry, or even for green by injury for someone else, so that there is someone there walking them through the steps and helping to make the right choice. So can you share with us the process that you take your clients through when choosing jewelry for their partners? We always start with a phone consultation and I'll ask a few questions about the occasion, if there is one that we're celebrating. And then if you have an idea of what you're looking for in mind, we'll talk about that. I always like to ask a few questions about the style of the person that we're shopping for. And to be honest, the best thing that many clients can do is I'll ask them to send me a photo of the person we're shopping for dressed in jeans very casually and another photo, maybe dressed up to go to a wedding or an event. And just those two kind of visual references can often give me a lot of inspiration and sort of point me in the right direction. And then after the consultation, after we have a good game plan, which is we want to focus on an everyday necklace that incorporates this birthstone of the baby we just had in this price point, I go out and curate anywhere between three to five really beautiful options within their budget for them to choose from. I have wholesalers and suppliers I reach out to. I do some research online. I visit stores in person. I visit other vendors in the Diamond District, trying to find what I think are the very best options within the budget I've been given. And I present those options in like a pretty easy to understand PDF And I think the best thing I do is for every option, there's always a photo on the body. And I think that's, for me, the hardest part about buying jewelry online is the scale. And so it can be really frustrating when you love a pair of earrings, but there's not a photo on the ear. So I make sure that everything I send has a photo on the body. And then they review the recommendations and hopefully they say option two is it. And I order it and ship it as to wherever is most convenient. So it's really up to the client to make the final decision. But what I do is sort of curate the universe of options down to the best three or four. That actually sounds amazing to have that the choice between curated pieces so you know that whatever you're going to choose is that almost something that that a person can appreciate and that is so reassuring for people. Yes, I want to make this, this purchase with confidence. I think that's always the goal is to make a decision and then feel really good about it because as I said, jewelry is so interesting. It's so easy to get buyer's remorse and it's so easy to kind of second guess yourself. But if you can really make a confident decision, then it can be so much fun and and also really empowering. My favorite is when I start with a client who is a little bit bashful, maybe does feels like they're not using the right terminology. So they're a little bit shy. And by the end of the experience working together, they're kind of talking circles around me. And I had a client who 
the first thing he said to me was his, his wife has beautiful blue eyes. And so by the end, he was like, I knew we had to go with the sapphires because it was going to make her blue eyes pop. And he had really gotten into the process because I had curated it down and given guardrails so that any choice was going to be a good one. And so it's cool to see people kind of build that confidence as well. Yes. And you mix it even more special than just going to a shop and picking up a piece to know that actually you were involved maybe not in, in every single step but again that you had input and even for, even for the person receiving it I don't know if they share the entire story but to know that you receive something that is really meaningful and not just something that anyone can get yes I think that's exactly right and so to that point I really like to focus on what I call like milestone gifts so if you're looking for a very dainty plain gold chain then you probably aren't going to work with a fine jewelry concierge, but if you're looking for something a little bit outside your comfort zone, or if you're looking for something that's really going to wow and impress, then taking the extra step to work with a service like mine can be really powerful. Hey, Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago, I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it. And my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that If I became more successful than my family, my friends, and my partner, they wouldn't love me anymore and they leave me. This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet, the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months and my loved one didn't leave me. If you two are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief that's sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and they're afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs running in your subconscious it's like driving a car with a brake on no matter how hard you try you're going to stay stuck where you are 
if you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, or being a regular guest on podcasts, will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know, deep down, that healing those limiting beliefs and all stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief, the sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you, so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial location and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today. Absolutely, I know that we Valentine's Day coming up, so I'm sure that lots of people are going to buy jewelry, there's going to be some proposals, I guess. So for anyone that is looking to buy jewelry for that special day, do you have any recommendations? What would you recommend both as a some Valentine's present, but also for someone that maybe wants to propose to their partner? Proposals I find are kind of polarizing. There are some people for whom a Valentine's Day proposal is the height of all romance and their dreams. And then for other people, they might find proposing on Valentine's Day to be like a little bit cheesy or obvious. So it very much depends on the bride and groom and what their overall vibe is. So if you want to propose on Valentine's Day, I think that's very romantic. Just know your partner and think about if that's something that she'd be excited about. But it's such a really is such a romantic holiday, obviously, and very famous for uh, jewelry purchases. So I love working on Valentine's Day gifts. Uh, in the past, as I prepare for Valentine's Day season, it's very interesting to me because some people immediately think jewelry, but a lot of people think like dinner or experiences or concert tickets. So while I definitely do great business for Valentine's Day, it's not nearly as big as some of the other holidays like Mother's Day and Christmas. Oh, well, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I know it's surprising to me too, but I always love working on Valentine's Day gifts because typically the clientele are very romantic and very sweet. Oh, that really is sweet. And is there something that surprised about running this business or maybe something that looking back you would differently knowing what you know now? Yes. When I started the business, I made the assumption that living in New York City, my go-to clientele would be very busy investment banker type men who want me to drop off the gift with their secretary and just 
want me to make a decision, but I've actually found that my best clients, my repeat customers, the one who have been really loyal and come to me throughout the year are very sweet guys that love their partners and just really want to dazzle them and, and do something special for them. So it's been interesting to me that my, as I said, my, my best customers are really sweethearts that just want to find something very special. And those people oftentimes are, are really lovely to work with as well. I think every year in business, I learned something a little bit new. And the last few years, I've really focused on engagement rings, which is a completely different kind of purchase, but also very high stakes and important and lots of opinions. And that's been really fun as well. Is there a particular reason why you chose to go to focus on engagement rings? When I started the business, I swore I would never do it because there are such big companies with gigantic marketing budgets that it would be so hard to compete. But I did a, a couple rings for family friends and I fell in love with it. I love the kind of value and service that I can provide, which is really guiding you through the process from finalizing the design through selecting a diamond from a diamond wholesaler to custom handmaking the setting. From beginning to end, there are little nuances that can really make or break the overall beauty of the, the ring. And so I love playing that role of, of really guiding you through the process from beginning to end. And it's been a great way to the relationships I've made with diamond wholesalers and people in the diamond district. So ironically, as I said, I started saying I would never do engage rings and now it's far and away my favorite part of the business. Wow, that, that is amazing. I mean, you didn't think you would like actually it's become your favorite thing. And I'm curious to know, have you been invited to any of the weddings? I've helped actually a number of my closest friends with their engagement ring. So I probably haven't been invited to any wedding that I, I otherwise wouldn't have been. But my brother got married three weeks ago and I helped with the ring. And so I was a little ring bear. I helped bring the ring up to yeah. the, the <laughs> to the altar, which was really special. And it for me has been a very cool way to get to know some of my friends' partners. So I have some very close friends from college and we live in different places now. So I didn't have the opportunity to get to know their future husbands as well as I would have liked. And so working with them on the ring was such a special way to, to get to know one another and build trust. And I feel so much closer to them after kind of having the experience. Together. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Great way there. Having your own business can also bring you closer to your friends. When you do something that you love, it just enhances every area of your life. Are there any tips that you would give to someone that wants to go into a creative industry, maybe an industry that is traditional like jewelry and they don't know where to start? I would say one of the best pieces of business advice I got that I, I think about almost every day is I was listening to the How I Built This podcast, which is very popular. I'm sure many people listen to. And the founder of Rent the Runway also entered the fashion world with no real experience. And one of the first meetings she took was with Diane von Furstenberg, who is a, a major, major big time designer. And she said, I didn't have a reputation. I didn't have any credibility. And so all I could do was make a promise, keep a promise, which means deliver on everything you say you're going to do. So that means if you say you're going to send more information that afternoon before the end of the day, even if you can't get to a computer, make sure by the end of the day, you've sent that email. And I think to a lot of people, you're, you're thinking, oh, it's not such a big deal if I send it the next day. But what she was trying to communicate was if you do what you say you're going to do, even when it's inconvenient or annoying or you don't feel like it, it's just such a great way to build credibility when you're starting out with none. 
So that's something I think about a lot. And as I was building relationships with these suppliers, um, one of my kind of secrets was I would pay the invoice upon receipt, which is very sort of uncommon. People usually wait 30 or 60 days to pay. But I felt like if I was going to be making small orders because I order one piece at a time working with individual clients, that a way I could show good faith and show that I'm serious and, and value the relationship is by paying immediately. So there are just little things like that where even if you have um, no credibility or no reputation to speak of within the industry, you can just, by doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, it's just such a great way to kickstart those relationships. I couldn't agree more with that. When you are running a business, there are literally so many things that you need to do that it can be so easy to say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, but then... Even, even if it is a small thing, it can really damage the trust. It takes uh, and make people like second guess whether they want to work with you or not. So that really is a fantastic tip. Thank you for sharing. We talked about so many things so far. Is there anything else that you would love to mention before you wrap up? Yes, particularly as perhaps like a solo business owner, and I know this is something that's very important to you, is continuing to work on your mindset and invest in yourself. There's such a connection between the way you feel about yourself and the way you can show up in your business. And prioritizing growth is also a way to prioritize your business. I couldn't agree more. Is there a way where you prioritize yourself growth that it has helped you with your business? This year, I have really immersed myself in reading more books and really trying to understand mindset. I don't meditate as I should. That's really the kind of next step for me, which I know can be very, very impactful. But I've really tried to immerse myself, particularly in reading. So I like to go on walks and listen to a book as I walk. And so taking that time to learn more about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and and other ways to get to know yourself and and hype yourself up. That's been really, really helpful for me versus just listening to like hardcore business podcasts or books. There is a place for the business advice, but if your mindset is not there, it's always going to be a struggle. Yes. And even being creative or taking risks, I find I'm so much more creative if I feel good about myself. It's very difficult for me to come up with good ideas or want to take a risk or put myself out there if, I, if I'm if i not feeling happy or confident. In this hustle culture that we all live in and we always try to put everything on our plates and think, oh, if I work more, I'm going to have more inspiration. But actually, it's the other way around. Creativity needs even boredom sometimes, that, that space for it to just it in your head before they can actually flourish and manifest. Yes. Sometimes if you're, when I'm still working through, because it's so difficult is I will identify an outcome or a goal, but sometimes if you want it so badly, you almost hold on to it too tight. So you need to kind of own what you want, but then also like let it go a little bit. And that's still a challenge for, for a personality like mine, but it's something that I definitely think a lot about and I'm working through. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I can so see the challenge for me as well. And, <laughs> and for everyone that would like to work with you, they want to get a piece of jewelry for their partner, where can they find you? Um, my website is bestkept.com, which is B-E-S-T-K-E-P-T.com. 
or on Instagram, my handle is at Best Kept Jewelry. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to put all of that on the show notes. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Treasures Within podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you found even one small nugget here to help you get out of your own way and build a successful business, share this episode with a friend or two so they can benefit from it too. Please follow this show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. Believe it or not, every little action really does help to get the podcast found by other female entrepreneurs who need to hear this message too. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye for now.